we can talk about that there in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what what yeah, talk we could talk about that. We could talk about a lot of things. Welcome to a very special Wages of Cinema podcast. Tonight on a very special Wages of Cinema, we talk about drugs. I know. This is the drugs episode. Yep. Can you believe that? It's been only it's only taken us this long to talk about the dangers of crack. And Kitty's whack. Yes. Um, but tonight the the special part of this is that I'm going to show you something beautiful. Everyone screaming for mercy. You want to protect the world, but you don't want it to change. You're all puppets. Tangled in strings. Yes, well that, plus we have special guests! Um, you might have heard us talk about uh, two of these people in past podcasts uh, with us They tonight. were unimportant until now. Yes, you were. they were just referred to as people who we know, who you don't know. So why should you care who they know? But now you will care who they know, because they're here. This is Matt Catania. Howdy, I'm Matt Catania. And my lovely wife, Corey Hughes. Hi. Yes. I just waved at the computer screen. So like, you guys can see me. <laughs> they can totally know that you're waving. I did too. I was saying hello to little sound thingies that went. Yes. So yeah. the reason these people are important right now is because we all saw the Avengers just about. We finished half an hour ago. That's right. So uh, we actually haven't really talked about it with one another, and we wanted to keep it fresh in our well, minds. Except for me, I kept talking about it in the car with Matt, and he told, kept telling me to shut up. Yeah. So is that right? Yes. 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 He no. Did. No, Jack. It's a lie. I'm telling you a lie. <laughs> Just Whoa. to make the podcast more interesting. <laughs> also, it was well, Age of Ultron, not the first Avengers. Oh yeah, Avengers 2. Yes, so the movie that we're talking about is this little movie that is only going to, once again, be the biggest box office movie of all time. Uh, the Avengers Age of Ultron uh, is, I don't know, is it like the 10th Marvel Cinematic Universe movie? You really should have counted before you made the announcement. No, but, like, I was trying to count it in my all right, head. All right, Do we want to go back and count them all? I can do it. All right. If you want. Iron Man. Incredible, Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk. Iron Man 2. Thor. Captain America. Captain America. The Avengers. Then the Avengers, that's six. Then Captain America oh, 2. Oh, Iron Man 3. Yes. Captain America 2. Thor 2. Thor 2. And Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. This is the 11th. Damn. This is the 11th. Well, Marvel. I said 10. Okay, fine. Alright, well, I said, if this isn't the 10th, then it's the 11th. Not important! So, um, in this movie, we, uh, we catch up with our old friends, uh, you know, Tony Stark, uh, uh, Bruce Banner, uh, Steve. All the Avengers are in this, and they're fighting Ultron. So let's get into it. Alright, so, uh, generally, what did you guys think of the movie? I mean, I liked watching it, but at the same time, my head couldn't stop nitpicking because huh. I know the sto- a lot of Ultron stories already, and I was like waiting for important bits to come by, and then those bits didn't happen. I was like, how do you leave that bit out? 
or I was thinking ahead to other things, and then they're like, how is that going to link up to that movie? And so it was basically actually already knowing stuff was in- interfering with my enjoyment <laughs> of the film itself. It was so, like much like when I went to see Days of Future Past, uh, I was shaking yeah. my fist at it for not being Days of Future Past see, enough. See, I, I think, that, well, there are two different things there. When I saw Days of Future Past, I had read the comic... Uh, but I still love the movie anyway because I thought it worked fine. In this case, yeah, Days of I, Pass is a really good. I, I do movie. have to think that maybe if I did know more about Ultron, then maybe I would care. But I'm I'm coming. Well, from, Matt, Matt's the comic. Book yes, guy. for those of you who don't, and those he you don't and I both watched Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the, the television series, best which Avengers was, cartoon. Yes, the that died a tragic death. Yes, probably because of the Avengers movie. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh. But so yeah, you know, we, we, so you know the a little two of bit us about know Ultron. More about Ultron than both of you combined. Yeah, and Corey, did you even know what Ultron was? No, I had no idea. And Matt's comments make me think about to what extent does this film have any sort of obligation to the comics? I've always thought that the movie should steer away from the comics. See, but mm-hmm. my thinking is that if it's not broken, you don't have to fix it, and if you change too much from the source material, you're no longer an adaptation, you're something completely different entirely. But is this an adaptation? I didn't even know this was an adaptation of a specific Yeah, does this... Book. Now, does this... Like, because in the first Avengers movie, that itself was cobbled together from a lot this of different is- Avengers sources. It came from the Ultimates, yeah. you had classic Avengers from the 60s, and yet that worked. So why did it, it, it became this, it became its own cohesive th- whole? This is also cobbled together from bits of different stories. But just as I've seen other different stories, I could say, okay, that story did this thing better, mm. or this was an important element that's missing from this particular movie, which would have made it snap together mm. much better. Now, I now Andrew, so you know a little bit about Ultron as well yes. from the cartoon. Did that impede on your viewing experience? Uh. Not really, no, because Ultron wasn't a huge villain. He was kind of he was kind of important. Well, he was the villain. Yeah, he is uh, the main villain he, of the story. I think for me, uh, he hits all I, notes. He's trying to destroy humanity. When I go to see a, a movie like this, I want to see what this particular story is trying to do for me. And here, you know, Joss Whedon casts. Uh, you know, James Spader as Ultron, and yeah, he's fantastic. By yeah, the way. yeah, and he is great. And you know, he he's just a voice, unless if he did motion capture. I think he but he did some motion capture. Okay, but either way, he is fantastic here. He is, you know, constantly sarcastic and really getting under your really skin. sarcastic for a robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was sort of, you know, from Tony Stark in a way. Yeah. Now, oh, that was one of the nitpicks, that. right? Because didn't you tell me once that it was Ant-Man who originally yeah, created Ultron? Yeah, it was Ultron? Ant-Man who does it in the comics, but even... I, get, I understand Stark why they changed it. it. Well, not in the original, original comics, only in the cartoon. But, okay. But I understand why they changed it for the movie, because Ant-Man was not an Avenger, and they need somebody who the audience was familiar with as part of the team to sort of make their arch enemy. But then at the same time, they seem like they undersold it in the movie because basically he just like takes the scepter and he's like, oh, let's make artificial intelligence for this. And he walks away and then Ultron sort of pops into being by himself by virtue of the mind gem. But it's not really... Oh, uh, yeah, this is, yeah. this is full of spoilers. Yeah, but... <laughs> Sorry, spoiler We probably should have... Mention that. Although I would say that, just do a thing. yeah. All well, right. I, what I would say is that you know I've I've kind of avoided a lot of the 
reviews going into this but movie. I avoided them all. Is anyone actually coming into this not generally knowing the Avengers Age of Ultron story? Well, again, story, or... Corey. Well, no, but I mean, the people who are really oh, listening to oh, this. Oh, yes. Like, hmm. isn't this like a post-mortem Probably review? tons. Okay. Well, spoiler warnings from here on out. So anyhow... Well, well, you're not really spoiling You're sort of describing the setup of the right. movie. Right, but my problem is that they they change it so that you would have a connection to the person who creates Ultron, but then they sort of deprive the responsibility to Stark. It's kind of like an accidental thing, which I guess is sort of an accident that uh, Ant-Man made Ultron movies, but it's not like... Mm. I don't know, it seems like it's more of just the, the mind gem itself that makes Ultron and less of an actual... Um, thing that Stark mm. has more agency well, in doing. Well, I think what makes now, it work is that... Now, hold on, though, because one of the main things in the movie, one of the great... One of the big conflicts that I thought really worked is the whole fact that Tony Stark is creating this whole thing because he wants to end the Avengers. He wants them to not have to be necessary, that there can be this peaceful thing, and then it kind of twists upon him. You know. Yeah, the, I get that. Now, now I... that is kind of... Now, one thing I would say is that that is a cliche that we have seen before, I mean, the premise of this movie isn't entirely original, like artificial intelligence yeah. rising up against creators, but I think because it was Tony Stark and we've had all these movies with him and we know how much he royally screws up things that he does, this, I think, was very much in line with his character. Yeah, I just think that they need to make him more culpable. Like, in here, it was sort of like, you know, you can excuse him. They only had one scene where they're really pissed off at him and they're like, okay, never mind, let's go back to the story. Whereas, but they have, like, bigger things yeah, to worry about. I know, but, like, I'm saying it's... Well, I, well actually, there's an, there are other scenes yeah, where Tony Stark, like, yeah, reminds himself yeah, that, hey, I really but, fucked up but, here. But I think, I think the problem is that they rush into it so fast. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Like, oh, we have Ultron already. Like, there's no... I don't know. Mm-hmm. This, the build-up was not... I don't I know. What do you think, Corey? Well, given... So would you have preferred a longer movie? Or would you have preferred... A longer setup at the expense of other material in the I world. would have preferred a longer movie and also maybe set some of this up previously <laughs> in the other films since they had so many of them, you could have done a little Ultron foreshadowing um, Iron Man three. Well you know? I don't know, see well, well, well that I, raises another problem with I realize that part of the novelty of the Avengers universe is that so many films are interconnected with each other. But that's a kind of perilous strategy from a purely like a financial marketing perspective because how dependent do you want the Avengers films to be on the each individual saga like the Iron Man movies the Thor movies the well, I guess the idea is that the, with the Avengers everything has to come together I so mean maybe I- they were concerned about I mean, I'm assuming most people who see the Avengers movie have seen most of the other films, but maybe they were too worried about potentially alienating people who haven't caught up with every other movie in the Avengers yeah, movie. Yeah, well, that's like you. I mean, you haven't, you didn't see Captain America Winter Soldier. And I the actually... first Captain America is terrible, so I didn't know. Uh, it's not movie. very good. It's not bad. I think the problem it's, it's we're talking about is that while we do have this large universe, it's in the hands of a lot of different people. And yes. when one person creates a big work, then there's a lot of consistency and there's a lot of... And you can plan ahead. 
But then Joss Whedon was saying that he was like the consigliere of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a while. So you think that he mm. said, if he knew, all right, I'm going to do Ultron in the second Avengers movie, that they would have made a bigger deal of saying, hey, Iron Man 3, you need to foreshadow Ultron here so that this will make sense by the time I get to Avengers mm. 2. I mean, see, it doesn't have um, to be necessarily something that, like, you need to see Iron Man 3 to understand Avengers Age of Ultron, but it would be, like, enrich the experience had it been there previously. So, like, see, the I don't know. I, see, still, see, I, I, I kind of agree with Corey. That's a little tricky. Yeah, see, I don't know, because watching this movie, I felt like the way that they introduced the whole concept of the artificial intelligence here, they didn't necessarily have to... Uh, set it up in now, the way. Let me they ask did, you they something. did enough with... Let me get back to um, a plot point here. Uh, okay. Hydra. Alright. Ultron is an artificial intelligence. Does he come from the mind gem? That's what it looked like to me, which um, is my problem, is that he seems to be more of a creation of the mind gem than of Tony Stark. Okay, but I'm just asking, in, on the mo in the movie's own story, where does Ultron come from? There's that whole thing like, oh, there's an artificial intelligence in here. It, it, well, okay, well, is that the mind gem? Is that something that's around the mind gem? It, it seemed like he had the plan already to make Ultron, but he needed that one element to make it work. It was like one, but it looked like they plugged in like the mind gem to the internet, and then it became Ultron. Like, I guess I don't know. It was. Yeah, well, it wasn't supposed to. Right yeah. well, it wasn't supposed to work on its own, but it did, gem, and that was they, what yeah, was they, like they scary. They wanted to put the mind gem into a body, and mm -hmm. then I guess there was also some files that Tony Stark had that said, "Hey, you should save the." Well, world. yeah, but then they take the mind gem and they do something else with it, it later in the film. All right, they, they yeah. put it in. All right, we're we're full yeah. spoilers. Uh, <laughs> all right, they take the mind gem and they put it in, in the Vision's body, but then Ultron still has to upload himself. Like, yeah. it's not like there's like. A copy of it in the mind gem. No. And I, like, and there's a whole thing surrounding the gem. Yeah. And so was the artificial intelligence there protecting the gem? And then it gets mixed with a whole bunch of other stuff that yeah. Stark is working on. I, like it becomes a sort of like goulash of a, 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 of, of a cosmic goulash. stuff and and uh, yeah, and programming. Then, yeah, it's a gestalt organism, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I figured that. What do you think, Corey? I think I am more interested in Ultron. I'm not particular. Frankly, I'm not very interested in Ultron's origin. I was more interested in using Ultron as a tool with which to explore the psycho the psychologies of the Avengers. That's yeah. a great. That's a great example. That's a great I point. I had a very utilitarian view of Ultron. That Ultron, in and of himself is of limited interest to me, but Ultron as a prism through which to analyze yeah. our main characters, I thought was very interesting. And that's where the movie got really good, and when yeah. everybody gets sort of mind-jacked. Well, well, that, well that, doesn't Witch. Has, that doesn't exactly... Yeah, that happened, doesn't happen from Ultron. It happens from Scarlet Witch. And, uh, and what's great about that is... You know, she basically makes you know exploits all of their worst fears and all of their past sort of traumas mixed the power together of in a red blend. Fairy dust. That actually with made what? Me rape think... fairy dust? Red. 
Oh. Get your mind out of the gutter, Jack. That actually made me it think was, it a was little kind of bit of the Yoko factor in season four of Buffy. Because yeah. when I view the Avengers films, because I'm not a comic book reader, I place them relative to other Joss Whedon works. Because mm. I'm a big fan of Buffy and a big oh, fan right. of Angel and a big I fan of Firefly. I am as well. well. I'm not very familiar so with Joss Whedon's I, work, so this is I view the Avengers through... When I make comparisons between the Avengers... I tend to make comparisons to other things in Joss Whedon's oeuvre, or however you pronounce that. <laughs> Get it right. So, All right. so what were some of the things you noticed? I know that was actually an ongoing that plot Buffy? in season four of Buffy um, that culminated in an episode called The Yoko Factor, where Spike wants to capitalize on divisions that have developed organically within kind of the Scooby gang friend nucleus <laughs> to break them up and prevent them from fighting Adam, who's the season-long villain. Mm. So what Spike does is he... Spike has been chipped, so he can't actually engage in physical violence. So what he has to do is he has to basically play mind games. With Buffy, with Xander, with Willow, with Giles, and this the season four of Buffy is their first post high school year. So Buffy and Willow are dealing with adjustments to college. Xander is dealing with feeling alienated from Buffy and Willow because he's not going to college. Giles is dealing with feeling useless because he's lost his job at the library. So. I, when I was um, comparing Ultron's effects on the interpersonal dynamics of the Avengers, the first thing I thought of in terms of comparison was Spike in his work mm. kind of splitting apart the Scooby gang mm. within Buffy. Do you think that this was effective, is that? I would say it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we, you know, Black Widow, she's got this whole past that, you know, no, we haven't even hinted at, really. Yeah. Well, they we kind of did. a little bit in, in Winter Soldier. Well, and I have to things. just say really and fast. Carter. One thing, yeah, I, one sure. thing that I kind of found uh, interesting, I don't know if you know this, Corey, Jilly Delpy popped up for ten seconds. I did. I, that. <laughs> I was surprised. I was like, oh, wow, you finally moved on up into uh, the big leagues. It's always, it's always a little shocking to me when I see... Um, an actor of that stature in, like, a micro-cameo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of micro-cameos in this that didn't seem necessary. They had uh, the, Falcon the Falcon for a couple minutes. Heimdall, now, that's something... Now, you don't uh, even know Agent that. Because you haven't seen Winter Soldier. I don't mind that so much. Yeah. Because I He's just, a character in Winter I, Soldier. It felt was that the black guy with the wings on? Yes, yes. he's the Falcon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it di- I didn't mind it so much, basically, because it felt like they're really pulling the universe together. Yeah, that's one that thing I liked, good. that they, that's one thing I liked in this movie even more than the first one, even though I probably do prefer the first one more than this, is that they are, they're recognizing that, okay, there are all these characters, let's keep bringing them together and make them more important, because if something is happening on this grand scale that ultimately happens in the climax... You know, you'll want to have the help of War Machine. Which is yeah. the thing that annoyed me, that he only shows up at the very end with the helicarrier instead of being there from the start. Because he was there when Ultron attacks him at the party, he... and he just disappears in the movie until that climax. And it doesn't make any sense. There's no in-story reason for War Machine to have disappeared for so long. I was hoping he would have been there a little longer, and hopefully mm. that Anthony Mackie would have also been in there. Except, you know, aside from in the beginning. Of yeah, he was kind of end. a gag, in a way, I guess, uh... 
But um, I mean, Don Cheadle did a good job. Like that. Oh whole, well, yeah, all, he always does. Uh, all the all those scenes that he, you know he's talking in, like everything, you know, those those were funny scenes. Yeah, I I guess you know there's. Whedon has a lot of things to balance here because I mean oh, yeah. he only has so much time. He has to spin so many plates. He has to give characters enough time. And that's what made me nervous because they were talking about oh Baron Strucker's going to be in this and Scarlet Witch and Silver Baron, uh, and Baron Von Strucker. I almost oh, said okay. Silver Surfer. Uh, <laughs> Quicksilver and uh, Anthony, uh, Andy Serkis is going to be. Uh, oh, that was he had a great scene. Yeah, and like. Uh, you got all these people. You're adding more, and you got the vision. You're gonna throw in the vision, and like, how are you gonna balance there is the all da- this? Stuff? There is the danger of like people. One of the complaints that was levied against Spider-Man three years ago was this movie has too many characters. Yeah, there are too I many mean, characters Ven- here. Venom and the Sandman. It's, it's about how you use them. Yeah, I think that now, that. now let's talk about the good things in this movie, though, because <laughs> there are a lot of nitpicks. Oh, yeah, we'll get back to them later, I guess. All right. Well, no, no. I mean, I because. Um, I mean, because there's, I think that one of the things that Whedon is very strong at, and as Corey was sort of alluding to in Buffy, is, you know, you have a show like that, for example, where it's supposedly just uh, a shallow teen story with vampires, but there, there's, like, so much depth in that show, and in that season you had even, uh, what was it, the, the episode Hush as well, so... You know, he really just loves characters, first and foremost, so even, you know, he'll give a lot of time to people to try to develop those relationships further, and one of those that I think worked really well was um, uh, between Banner and uh, Black Widow. I hated that. I don't... Ah, really? I really hated that. I I, I liked that. But really? I, yeah. I don't remember this because I only saw the first Avengers movie once. And I loved it when I saw it, but I only saw it the one time. Was there any of that going on between them in the first film? In uh, the first Avengers? Not yeah. really. They have... Um, I mean, they have an intro... I mean, he, she is the one that brings him into the Avengers. And they have a couple of moments. Um, like, there was a part of me that thought, okay, yeah, this... I'm wondering if they did. They didn't really allude to this that much in the last movie, but the actors sold it for me. But I think that the problem was sort of that, like, they had to use like Black Widow to have a relationship with the Hulk to calm him down. But then it sort of like seemed like you're the token woman on our team. Let's give that job to you, and then like not acknowledge Betty Ross, who is the Hulk's canon girlfriend. Well, yeah, but we was... haven't seen her since. <laughs> yeah. We haven't seen her since the Incredible but they, Hulk. They brought in all those characters for like 10 second cameos you think that she's more important to we're obviously trying to forget that the previous hulk movies existed well yeah. they even have a different actor playing the hulk now i don't yes. think so that movie is the, the incredible hulk among the entire marvel cinematic universe is the one that just barely connects I don't just think we, barely i was like, operating with, under the assumption that neither the ang lee hulk or the um edward norton hulk are canon. Well, no, no the that's... the Incredible Hulk technically is canon. It is canon. In fact, like Tech. the first Avengers, even references to a deleted scene from the Incredible Hulk where the Hulk tries to kill himself in in Antarctica and it doesn't happen. And that's something that Mark Muff- Ruffalo mentions in the first Avengers. But, um, yeah, but we're obviously but, yeah, we can't. We... We're not going to have a separate string of Hulk movies. So, no. I don't mind them... I don't mind pretending that but the Hulk movies don't... So who, but they could integrate Betty Ross into an Avengers movie, is what I'm but saying. But then you have the one more character, But they then. could shim the other characters that don't mean as much to the film. Well, who, or they, like who would you cut no, no, but in I, favor of Betty I would have cut 
The cameo is by Heimdall and Peggy Carter. Those did not um, make a difference. Well, Peggy game. Carter was connected with that flashback only. That, yeah, but they didn't need that scene. It just didn't do anything. It's like. But all the characters kind of they need to show their like. It, they they could have been pulled away. Benny Ross basically is, to me is the least relevant. Right. Yeah. Discarded my, character we could ever have. And we, when you have, talk about bringing her back versus already using an established character who's pretty strong right now, well, my problem, it's doesn't. There's no. It, way. It's further complicated than that because I don't think we need to have a romance um, between the Black Widow and the Hulk because neither of them need to have no, a romance I don't, to make the team work. They could be working as you know just teammates and have it platonic. You don't need to insert a romance. And then further, this is complicated because. In the comics, um, Hawkeye is a canon lover of the Black Widow, so she already has a person who could be a romantic lead for her on the team, although the last movie made it really ambiguous whether they're just really good friends or lovers, but then this further screws it up because you see that Hawkeye has a secret family with a wife and kids, and then that's a completely <laughs> new character that they added in just to the movie, so the whole thing about, like, oh, let's not add any extra extraneous characters in is kind of blown up by just making up new characters and shoving them into a relationship, which is also crazy because on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, they have Mockingbird. Mockingbird is the ex-wife of Hawkeye, so they they already had a character on the TV show who exists to be Matt, Hawkeye's wife Matt, that is not Matt, in this movie. Matt, Matt, All right. Nobody watches I see your point. But it's all connected, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Oh, we love oh. your beautiful mind, Matt. Alright, I shouldn't have brought that up. I, I, I apparently... I will say, piece. you make a good point. <laughs> However... I guess I'm just saying I liked it more than you did, even though... Like, I think I was looking at more because it was those two actors... Really selling that like relationship. I don't think now. Did it end a little bit? Of, it, it, I will say this: it does kind of end in a way that's like, eh, all right. Well, I guess you're gonna have to be all like melodramatic now about it. I don't well, know how I, you felt about that. I but. actually, I liked the relationship between the Hulk and Black Widow until the end of the movie, where yeah. Hulk like. Emo Sulk. Yes, he, he, he goes from being the Hulk to the Sulk. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, I, I, I do agree. That was not... I really eh. did, But I must confess, in fairness, I have limited... To I have pretty limited tolerance for the character of the Hulk in general. I concur. He sucks. So, <laughs> maybe if you're so a person... So basically, this is all moot. <laughs> yes. If you're yeah. a person who really likes the Hulk, you might not have this problem, but since the Hulk is on pretty thin ice with me as a character to begin with, I feel like... Whatever I, happens to him doesn't really matter. Well, I just feel like his character is very repetitive. Very repetitive. Hmm. So, I really, um... I like... I like him in small doses. I don't mind him as part of the Avengers when, you know, he's a side dish on the... But when he becomes... I'm really not that interested in his emotional pain, honestly. Well, you don't like uh, when Nick Nolte, like, shimmies around him and Ang Lee's the whole Don't <laughs> I was... I actually really liked the I think... stuff with the Hulk and... Black Widow, I only didn't like the end where the Hulk randomly goes off. Yeah, I, I know I have to admit which, that it sucks. Which is something that, like, 
it's an element of his character that he doesn't want to let the guy he, come out. He doesn't. He doesn't get too close to people. That's uh, which is why I they guess... need to replace him with his much awesomer cousin She Hulk, who's actually a team player. Now yeah. that I can agree with. Yeah, yeah they need to bring in She Hulk. So much better than come on, Hulk. people, make the She Hulk movie happen. Not, it's Andy not. Harmon is ready. Or Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> I'm not saying it's unrealistic that a character experiencing life experiencing the things the Hulk experiences would behave in that way. It just, I feel like his emotional arc is on a continuous loop. Yeah, among the Avengers, even Thor, he is the least interesting. Although Mark Ruffalo is one of my favorite actors working, so that might help. But, um... So maybe I, maybe, I agree, I don't think a romance is necessary or essential like if the romance hadn't been in there i wouldn't have sat and watched this film and said hmm where's that romance but i liked it for for a romance thrown into a comic book movie i mean yeah and i feel like for me it helped because i do like the character of black widow it helped make a character that i'm not very interested in in the avengers more palatable. Maybe? I don't know. No, no. Maybe that would be... Let's talk about something else with the movie, though, like which Ultron, is... James Spader. Who is, like, totally, like, a badass performance. Yes. Yes. So, I don't know what else is there to say about that. Um, there's a question, like, now, what do you guys... What about the Vision? Oh, I like the Vision. Yeah, he was good. Like That was an interesting he character. Came in, he came in late in the movie, but he was still... He still had memorable lines, and he did stuff. He, he had worked. real presence. Yeah, he worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is what astounds me about this movie the most, that all the characters somehow got in there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I, ne- I never even... The Vision sounds like one of those comic book characters that... Like when I when I find out who the Vision is, that's when I'm really into comic books. You know, that's when like yeah. have you seen the issue with the Vision? Oh my god, that's so amazing! And I'm just, doing a bad imitation of that. Or you could just go on Wikipedia. Or you know, watch like a human being. <laughs> Stop kicking the laptop, Jack. Sorry. Well, or watch the second season of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yeah. He's there. Does he look like how he did yes. in the movie? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that was a little thing that co- that. That perked my interest when they start referencing Wakanda yeah. and all that stuff. And mm. Captain America's like, oh, I thought he got all the stuff out. And they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> The coolest thing, though, that, like, when um, Ultron gets... There's a scene where Ultron gets pissed off at Annie Circus, who's playing Ulysses Claw, and he, cu- <laughs> he gets so pissed off, he tears <laughs> Ulysses' arm off. But then I got so excited because he doesn't kill him. He's going to have that arm replaced with a Sonic cannon in the Black Panther movie, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> And then immediately after it, he apologized. Oh, sorry I'm sorry. About that. <laughs> Humans are so fragile and breaking. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. I, I, no. Yeah, so... What's well, the, more what's Andy's... The those little people? Oh, children! That's <laughs> I didn't know that was Andy Serkis, actually. Yeah, that like, was Andy Serkis. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't really have noticed, but, I mean, like... Well, I'm not I used because to I... seeing him okay. as, a, as a person. Okay. Another yeah. nitpick, yeah. <laughs> though, is that they have Baron Strucker in the movie, and then they waste him, and he doesn't even wield the Satan Claw. They I waste mean... him because Ultron wastes him. But, but the Satan Claw is the most badass weapon. It is pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, and then nothing. It's like, thanks a lot, Age of Ultron. Well, is it possible that <laughs> he, he had, could he had this awesome he weapon? Had mo- he has his own moments, though. In another context? Not, a, few, a few moments. Wait, but... remind me who... 
who Baron Strucker? Baron the guy Ma- with the monocle. In the beginning of the film. Oh, he's a oh. minor character. He had some funny moments. Yeah. You know, he had the lines that made me laugh legitimately, like, loud. You know, he's a guy who's like, all right, everybody, remember, don't surrender. I sur- I'm going to surrender. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's one of those moments where it's like, all right, we're in Joss Whedon's hands now. Okay. Do you think that they gave Hawkeye a family just to set up the possibility that he was going to die? Probably. And also because he was complaining about the last movie he spent at Brainwash. And he's like, I really need something to do with this movie. So give me, like, family to bounce off of and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, uh, it really is a fake out, I think. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that justifies the presence of his family, but... Uh, yeah, it's like they have there. the one moment where he's like, oh, I was just talking to my girlfriend... Wink. Shrug. Yeah. Okay, now speaking of fake-outs, now that we've ruined the thing that the Hawkeye does not, in fact, die Everything at the end, gets ruined. Yes. Um, Quicksilver appears to actually die. Yeah. Which I'm really confused about because there was sort of, like, no fanfare about it. Like, it looked like, okay, maybe they can get him to, like, the crazy cell regenerative thing they had in Korea that could fix him. Because they made a big cell deal about it. Like, the cell regenerating thing that that... Remember uh, the Korean scientist? She fixes up Hawkeye's wound yeah. and she's like, oh, we got this oh. thing that does a thing. Yeah, so then, like, huh. is it like a... Like a like a plant and payoff, I was expecting, okay, they're going to use that to save him, because in all the Marvel movies, or at least most of them, they seem to have, like, a faked-out death. Like, you know, Nick Fury doesn't really die in The Winter Soldier, Groot doesn't really die in Guardians of the Galaxy. You know what, you know what that is? Lots of you know what that is? What? They, they probably know that fans are tired of that, so they have to have, like, one character that is legitimately... Joss yeah. Whedon's got to kill somebody. But I, I and wish... he killed somebody, and it was a great death, and then he comes back... And that uh, sucked. Don't, oh, that's why I'm not watching... That's why I'm still avoiding watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, but, Fuck that shit. Yeah, but there's, there's like... I mean, <laughs> like, sorry language! <laughs> that's a reference to the movie that I'm... I, so I understood that reference. But, I mean, like, Gosh darn it. Because by this point... Golly. In-universe, in there are already plenty of ways they've established they can, like, save people's lives. It and then, seemed like then, a moment where... If he was going to die, it'd be hard to I bring him back I think that machine that. could bring people from no. death to life. It could only bring people who are very seriously yeah. injured. Yeah, but it, then, it regenerates serious I think that they should have had like a scene where they definitely said, okay, Quicksilver is definitely dead. He's not in a hospital bed in another room recuperating. Like, they need to actually obvious. come out and say, he's I'm, dead. Well, I'm going to probably watch the movie again just so I know <laughs> that, like, I, I'm probably going to see the movie again just because I enjoyed it enough and to... I want to see like little things that I missed. That yeah. now here's here's a question. Now I know they did explain this sort of, but it was one of those things where all right, they're doing some crazy, they're not not crazy, but they're doing some uh, you know space stuff, uh, you know magic. Like when when Thor goes into the cave and he's in the water, and all of a sudden it's full electricity. Um, what was going on there? Uh, they just needed something to go back into his dreams so that he could see the Infinity Stone. Okay. Like a... All right. Yeah. That's that. I guess that's all it was. There's one of your fancy setups that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and then also, Dr. Selvig, there's no reason why he actually needs to go, hey, Dr. Selvig, come with me to this pool and I'll go have a dream. Like, you could probably Dr. Selvig out techno- of that. No, I don't know. Like, he probably had yeah, some well, kind of expertise there. Like, 15 seconds? Yeah, but I'd like extra scene the college, but like, 
don't know, it just seemed, like, pointless. Like, you don't have to cram everybody who was in the previous Marvel film into this one. Except for Betty Ross. Except for Betty Ross, yes. Yeah. See, I'm wondering now, though, if you can... Can you have it both ways, where you can't cram so many characters in the movie, but it should be longer? I mean, I guess you could... Like, it seemed like... Do you see that, like, the the mix-up there? I mean, they made choices that I would not have made myself, that I have, like, issues with Mm. the... The, the toss that I, they made. Like, you know, mm. we'll pick this and not this. Like, and I said, you should mm. reverse that. This, this might be a situation where ignorance of the source material is a benefit, not a debit. They, yeah. I like the movie very much. And I liked I had, it a lot, too. I had very few... Um, here's something I'd like to do. Uh, Jack, what was your favorite scene in the movie? Mmm... Mm, we good. can skip you if you want. We can go to Matt. Let me oh, think about it. If you have anything moment. good to say about this movie. I, well, I have good things to say about the movie, but it's another I saw you I enjoying to, yourself. I did enjoy it, but I have to think of a favorite favorite, you know? Why don't you go first, Andrew? Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> hey! <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Corey? I think <laughs> I have one. You know what? It's a small thing. I like when they're having their... Uh, it's one of those character things. It's great. It's right before Ultron first shows up, and they're all trying to lift Let's up the hammer. hammer. Yeah, because that's a moment of cam- camaraderie where they're all just like, "All right, let's have fun. We're having a few drinks. Let's try to lift your hammer." Because you know that's what you would do if you were in the Avengers and you had Thor there, and yeah. Thor's the big has the giant hammer, and then there's that one little moment. Where Captain America, he doesn't lift it, but he nudges it a little bit, yeah. and Thor looks on like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might have comp- competition here. Yeah, that's really funny. I thought that was gonna, I thought that was gonna be a thing in the in the film. It does, it does come I back thought, once I, because and it's heard a, that the audience loved that. Too. Captain America does like once or twice lift yeah. Thor's hammer, mm-hmm. and I thought that was gonna be like. An eleventh hour like desperation thing that was going to happen in the plot. Nah, it seemed like the but it, it, it was the setup for a, a later scene with the Vision, which actually is a pretty great page. That was that was that, that was hilarious. I, that was a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. Although, it also sort of never mind. It's just mm-hmm. fan don't, don't, yeah, it's yeah, okay. don't get into me. <laughs> Any other favorite scenes? It's Let's hard talk. for. There's just so oh, much going on. I did think about something that I liked in this movie, but it's something that I'm curious to hear your points of views about it. Something that was that I was thinking a lot about, especially in the last third of the movie, when they're say, trying to get everybody off of the off of the city rock that's floating up in the sky. Right. Um, I wonder if this movie was kind of in part kind of a big giant middle finger to Zack Snyder and David Goyer. Well, I think it's sort of unfair because <laughs> Joss Whedon, like, brings in, oh, we have a spare helicopter with floating lifeboats. Like, oh, sure, we'd pull that out of my ass. It's like, what? No, you can't just helicopter? make, like, helicarrier. The helicarrier? The helicarrier. I think that was, like, a giant cop-out. Well, like, you, you know have what? something I... that specifically can do this, even though I... it doesn't make any sense that we would actually have it what, ready. What I would say is that I was actually, I kept thinking midway through the movie when Nick Fury showed up and he was having his scenes... I really hope Nick Fury does come back into the climax. I know he's supposed to be laying low, but he's like, he's one of the Avengers, ultimately. He's one of the older people, but he should be part of the fight. Now, I know he was going to bring back the Helicarrier, no, but I figured that it must have been somewhere. I forget, like, now, was that in Winter Soldier? It 
they have that where it gets destroyed. You have you not seen Winter Soldier? I, it's been a year. What? I don't like. There's that big climax. Like there I remember was, more of what happens between Captain Bucky and that than were, I do the helicarrier. They, that was something different. Yeah, those were oh. different helicarriers. I'm think. I'm trying to think. Oh this god! See, that's, that's why I get these confused. Yeah. Was that? Was that? Yeah, this would be the one that crashed in the Avengers. Yeah, and I, and I feel like that's another way of saying you know people were talking. One thing I noticed in this film is that. There's a lot of justifying things that people scoffed at, yeah. like Hawkeye is lame. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people have been saying. <laughs> I think Whedon was like really end, consciously and, addressing oh, that, and, a lot, and, and that seems it. like they they consciously address it. And another nitpick from the Avengers is, what the hell do you want a helicarrier for? How is that useful in any way? And then they bring it back. But as a useful thing at the end of this movie. With the flying lifeboats that I don't think they established existing, like... And no. But then, it just seems like with the, la with the Winter Soldier, with the crackdowns on S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything, that there'd be no way that Nick Fury could squirrel away a giant helicarrier. Mm. Like, you know. Also, another thing you were saying about how it's a giant middle finger to Man of Steel, my counter to that is the Hulkbuster fight. Because oh. that, the Hulkbuster fight is the countermeasure for the Hulk, but it's all about just punching the Hulk. And the Hulk's whole thing is he gets madder the more you fight him. So, this well. is in no way a good strategy. So they're Oh, sure. They're I know it's, a, I know it's not a good strategy. But it made for a fun fight. He was trying to knock him unconscious, though. He wasn't trying... And but, there was nothing else he could do. But that, that's <laughs> Yeah, the Hulk is kind of indestructible. Everybody else was down, and you got Tony Stark. His only recourse is, is Hulkbuster armor. And no matter how bad the plan seems, he has to do something. Pacification. You design the armor to pacify him, not to actually fight him hand-to-hand. -hand. Well, he take it up with take They, it up they with were design. destroying South Africa for no reason. I think they were reason. still trying to get people out of harm's they way during trying, that fight. But it was still like causing tons and tons of property damage you don't just throw a hulk right. into a skyscraper what? and not expect any of the debris My... to come down and kill people <sighs> so you can't say that it's somehow morally superior to man of steel that it doesn't involve in wanton carnage <laughs> Uh, I would I would wager that a few a lot fewer people died in this than in man of steel well well that's here's what my point is though about it though is that I got to see the movie heroes acting. That though, because it talks about how they how there are going to be warrants out for Bruce Banner's arrest, and so he has to. Yeah, he did mess up a city. And then he gets all like emo mopey at the end and takes off on his own. So I feel. Well, like he knows movie, it's going to happen again. Do, 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 the movie acknowledges do, 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 the gravity. Well, well what I was going to say though is do, that they take. I like seeing superheroes, yeah, you know, watching them punch the shit out of robots, you know, watching them do stuff like that. Alright, fine. But actually seeing them saving people, going out of their way to try and make sure that people are safe, I don't get to see that a lot, usually, in comic yeah. movies. That and I think what, that's that something is that is the... nice to see. That's what superheroes are supposed to do. I think they made it too convenient in this. Like, nothing that the Avengers did could ever really have consequence because they were always happened to be there just in the time to save everybody. That there wasn't, like, a, a sense of... You know, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that the Hulk killed several oh. policemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's a concession to ensuring a PG-13 rating. Yeah, it may have to do with practical. Uh, you know. Yeah, you don't get like that. You don't get that moment in Daredevil where you know it's like. You know, he's he's probably going to be a coma. He'll live. <laughs> I, mean, I, I agree with the notion that. 
the movie's a little overly sanitized in how it treats the various evacuations of civilian personnel. But, it's, but I think it's one of those good, <laughs> but, uh, it, it is a certain... It's good that they paid lip service to it. Yeah. I yeah, like that. That's uh, that's what they did in the original Avengers. Yeah, yeah they, they did that too. To they got people out of the way in New York City so they can have and, their And it's especially fight. good contrast to the callous treatment of regular people in Man of Steel. But we didn't actually Well, it's see... not even so much about callous treatment. It's just about not treating them at I mean, all. By the filmmakers. Yeah, it's more about, like, the you're forgetting that you're forgetting that humans exist and the fact that Superman is usually trying to get people out of harm's oh, way. Oh, thank God I didn't see that movie. Yeah, you didn't miss much. <laughs> you missed Michael Shannon saying heresy! <laughs> the only way I could see a super cut of just Michael Shannon scenes? Probably. 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 Can, on YouTube. Because I do like Michael Shannon. Actually, an for the most part, he was kind of dull in that movie, with the exception of I will find him. He was cut out wrong. Wrong movie. I like. To your criticism, Matt, I, like, 20% agree with you and 80% disagree with you. Because I feel like, honestly, if we're getting down to brass tacks and we're trying to be realistic, I think all superhero movies would probably be rated R. And I feel like all superhero movies sand the edges off a little too much in terms of the... You're you're never going to see the Hulk tear a guy in half. So... I, Thank God. Part of me mm. agrees with you, but I think, given the inherent limitations of needing to maintain a PG-13 rating for financial reasons, I think this movie did as good a job as they could do operating within the limits of, you know, we have to have a movie that's safe and mm. blockbuster-friendly. So... I think, given those limitations, I think this movie did mm-hmm. as well as they could. Okay. Yeah. Now, were there any other favorite scenes that we could I think my about? favorite scene is after Ultron tears off Andy Serkis' arm, and then, you know, the Avengers catch up with him. Yeah. And, you know, they, they have that whole back and forth, and he ends up like, Oh well, let me take you to give you the oppor- let me take the opportunity to explain my evil plan. Yeah, and then he just punches him. No villain monologue. No, he does like finger so, lightning. Oh right, right. I really like the scenes, the Black Widow flashback. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one with Julie Delphi pops up, and yeah, those felt like uh, creepiest ballerinas ever. Yeah. <laughs> ballerinas crossed with like ambiguous surgery. But when I think uh when i analyze this movie i analyze it more in terms of snatches of dialogue i really yeah like, yeah more than this you know really look like. i mean ultimately well, the I one was thing born that yesterday <laughs> a lot of really good dialogue here yeah. as you would imagine in a joss Whedon. yeah a lot of good dialogue spoken Excelsior. by <laughs> <laughs> uh it's gonna be well i don't know will it be sad when stanley dies yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like how you're both like, you no, no, yeah. No, you're a barbarian. Man. I am. I find his mugging offensive. He needs to stop cameoing movies. I mean, I know. Hey, come on there, Junior. I'm here to have fun. I know he's really, really, really old, so, you know, you can't say that he's getting gypped in terms of time on this earth. But unless someone is a truly, truly wretched human being, 
it's always sad when someone dies. A completely unique universe, like a completely unique universe of one, just ceases to exist. You know what never I think? Never to be, never to exist uh, again. You well, know I think they're gonna do. Tell that to though, Quicksilver. I think <laughs> that like they have a plan. Marvel has a plan though that they've probably already filmed multiple Stan Lee cameos that they're just going to plant in movies after he dies so, so they can fulfill his contract. So he's going to be the Tupac Shakur of comic books. Yes! Movies. He'll show up in hologram form hologram in a movie. Stanley. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, one, one, you know, I go see this movie and I've, I've read comic books. I haven't read and, and seen as much of the Avengers that this deals with, as you guys have, but... Well, you've like, got to watch Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I need to watch more of it. I started to you watch it, and I enjoyed me. it. And, um... I... You know, from what I get from this movie, you know, I get a lot of good Joss Whedon dialogue, some really good, you know, solid... Some good stakes, and actors who are trying to act their asses off. Uh, I also, you know, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are... with the shrieks of his fallen enemy. Yeah, yes, let's talk about Quicksilver and, and Scarlet Witch for a second, because it's interesting that you have characters They who, were Eastern European. They're Eastern European, they're but they're also... The fake country of Sylvania. You have more characters who, you know, in a way... is Are they kind of in line with uh, Whiplash from Iron Man 2? Yes, yeah. You know, there, you have more characters who, once again, were, you know, r badly affected by Stark Industries, and, you know, Tony Stark can't get can't get that away from him. Yeah. Yep. Of course, they probably now... What company puts right. their logo on the side of their weapons? He's a narcissist. Of course he's going to do it. You saw Iron Man 1, how all the bombs yeah. have Stark written on the side. Yeah, yeah. but that's something I never thought of before. No, like... If you see a missile or a bomb or a shell or a bullet, it doesn't have, like, made by Remington on the side. It seems be... it seems silly now that I think about it. No. It's, a, it's a weird kind of contrivance. He's a now. class A narcissist, It's man. still, it's... That's one of those things that, frankly, I... It sounds lazy to explain this way, but... When you have a comic book movie, there are some things that you just gotta kind of take for granted. Uh, He's gotta brand everything. He's kind. Of, it kind of reminds me of in the original Ninja Turtles cartoon when they first see on one of the mousers trademark backstock backstockman inventions. What kind of idiot puts his nail on a death machine? An idiot with an ego problem. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. I love both Quicksilver yeah. and Scarlet. Which they I had really good characters. reasons for doing what they're doing. They and have character I like, arcs. They... I like their powers a lot. Yeah. The uh, moment where Scarlet Witch decides, all right, it's time to just stop being an emo bitch and get to work. That was good. She had one job! <laughs> <laughs> one job! Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, I like their accents, even though they didn't get actual Romani actors to play them. Although the Scarlet Witch is supposed to have a tiara, and they neglected the tiara... And they gave her Jean Grey's This powers. is the big problem. No, we are right. straight. And, uh, yeah. Mm. But, uh, I don't know, we've, we've been... So I dropped the tank at the, gen at the general's headquarters and say, looking for this? Mm. Yeah. Now, just to cut... Now, now, one, now yeah. we're, we've been quoting for a while, but, uh, one thought. So, going forward, I mean, is it maybe difficult, though, when Marvel has to... Like, I read an interview with Joss Whedon where he talked about how... One of the really difficult things for him is that, you know, even in his position, where he's made one of the biggest films of all time, you know, with the first Avengers, even with Avengers 2, he still has to contend with 
you know, trying to do what he wants to do, but then at the same time, there's this ever-expanding universe going on with Kevin Feige overseeing everything. You have the Infinity Stones being set up eventually for the two-part uh, Infinity War movie. Um, is that kind of a conflict, though, that this movie kind of has a problem with? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, think, I think it kind of deals with it not terribly. He expanded cast of characters and all the implications. Thor, like, I think, he, points out pretty well to them at one point, these Infinity Stones, you know, not good news. Yeah, yeah. pretty bad news. Uh, uh, it's, But I don't think that's a problem for him. Yeah. I, it's a challenge, certainly. But he handled it all very well. Yeah, right? I think this movie stands pretty well on its own, even though Ultron does not have an Oedipus complex, sadly. Yeah, what? Well, Ultron in the comics has an Oedipus complex, and since but there's no loss, his... oh, since there's no oh, loss, right, right, and right, right. Ant Man really needs to okay. be about Evangeline Lily, Evangeline Lily being the Wasp, complete with superpowers and a costume, but it's probably not going to be. But it should, damn it. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> all right, let's wrap this. up. Yeah, and final, final thoughts. Final thoughts, Jack. Yeah, I would recommend this movie. I I had a lot of fun. Is it like? In the super top tier of Marvel, I don't know. Yes, I. You, <laughs> you're giving me that look. It goes with Avengers and Winter Soldier. I would. I would uh, say I would that for right me, for me, uh, my it's top in the rank top five. Okay, well that's that's interesting. Since there's eleven movies, it's not that hard to get a top five. I know, but <laughs> no, but some of them are better than others. I would say actually. Well, now we can have a top ten because there's one um, we can leave out. Oh. I guess which one it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, yeah, you know what? When I think about it, this, would be in the top five, maybe not the top three. Me, I have the first Avengers, the first Iron Man, and most of Guardians of the Galaxy, with the exception of Ronan up there. I liked Ronan. No, he's boring. All right, Matt. No, your final thought. All right, Malekith. your final thought. Or on, Thanos. Uh... Thanos also sucks. We need to talk about Thanos sucking. Uh, <laughs> hey, he's Josh Brolin. Your final thoughts on Avengers. I liked it. I had a good time watching it. Um, but, you know, just damn spinning hamster wheel in my head saying this could have been better. They could have integrated this more. I didn't like that change. You know, just personal stupid fanboy opinions. That it could As have been heard. so much more, Joss. Mm. All right. It's stupid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my final so. thoughts. I really loved how... Uh, how much Joss Whedon crammed into this, maybe uh, to some controversial... This man loves I love books. how much he crammed into this thing, and I think he did really well with all the characters, and even for the setups with everything else. He really mm -hmm. knew, knew how to bring everything together. Uh, this is great. Yeah, for me, at the end of the day... I would much rather have a movie that airs on the side of trying to do too much and trying to be too ambitious than a movie that airs on the other side. So I enjoyed this movie very much. There were a few moments where I thought, you know, there were a few specific, like, I guess, like, mechanics of the plot moments which I thought were maybe, like, slightly inelegant. But for the most part, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really solid. And I am so impressed by how Joss Whedon, as Andrew mentioned, can take a very large ensemble cast 
and communicate a lot of information about these characters in a very efficient way. Like, I feel like a character that only gets maybe 10 minutes of screen time in this film feels as full-bodied as a character that would get, like, 40 minutes of screen time Mm. in a movie with a smaller scale Mm. and more limited ambitions. So I really appreciate his attention to character. I appreciate his attention to strong dialogue. I'm the type of person who gets very disenchanted very quickly with CGI spectacle. So if these movies didn't have that strong character base, I don't think I would like them nearly as much. And I don't think the, like, visual razzle-dazzle would impress me very much. I, for me, I have seen... All the movies in this universe, except for the second Captain American movie. Captain America movie. So I've seen ten of the eleven. I put all three of the Iron Man movies, maybe like one notch above the two Avengers films. Mm. Even so, even Iron Man 2. I've only seen Iron Man 2 the one, so I could change my mind when I rewatch it, but... Mm. I, I like that. See, movie. I think uh, I think uh, this did a better job of handling characters than Iron Man Two. Definitely interesting. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is why it's so fantastic because there's so many more characters. It has so this. many moving parts. I mean, they do them well. It's don't like get me it's wrong. like Iron Man Two tried to juggle three balls and barely pulled it off, while Joss Whedon is juggling ten balls. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of good in a way that it distracts you if, if anything sort of lags in a way. There's always something interesting that you could latch onto. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that's why I said that I want to see this again, not simply because of the, the whole spectacle factor, but because that I feel like there are little moments that I want to experience again and little plot details that would be enriched by another viewing. I'm going to buy this when it comes out on DVD. Yeah, I hope... I'm, I'm interested if they do release an extended edition. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if they've done that for Marvel movies. Though. Not really, no. No, I think they've only released their theatrical they've only redu- They've only released reduced versions for The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> reduced versions? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because they didn't include the, the whole kill, trying to kill himself. The less we release of The Incredible Hulk, the better. I haven't seen that one all the way through. I'm not You're in the much. right position. Oh, good. All right, so. So with that that's said, all. now we'd like to close this out by saying we'd like to thank you for listening to us. Now, uh, if you'd like to uh, listen to more of our podcasts, you could find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Wages of Cinema. We're also on iTunes, and you can so subscribe. if you're listening to this and need to find another way to listen to our podcast, <laughs> yes, or if try you one only, of those other ones. Or if you haven't even heard of SoundCloud, but you know what iTunes is and have it on your phone, that would be the way to go. Also, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Wages of Cinema, and you can email me at jackgatnell at yahoo.com if you have any questions. Also, our special guest, Matt, would like to make a plug. Hi, I'm Matt Catania, and I write a weekly blog at mattthecatania.wordpress.com. That's C-A-T-A-N-I-A. And you could look at that, where I do writings and short films and original artwork. Comic and book stuff. Comic book stuff, um, meme pictures. Uh, Smorgasbord, you should come by and tell me what you want me to do next. And you can also follow Matt on Twitter at... Uh, and it's at the at symbol Matt V Catania. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And uh, so how Corey doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's my wife. She does plenty. She does jack. 
<laughs> Phrasing! And with that! I'll have you know, I have a very I, active professional I'll, life, but I just have I'll nothing to plug on a cinema-related podcast. There, okay. there are okay. no strings on me. Alright, I shouldn't have acted that. This is The Wages of Cinema, and The Wages of Cinema is death. Have a good night. Adios! There are no strings.